a listener production. Hi, and welcome back to another episode of Broadsheet Melbourne Around Town. I'm Nick Connellan, Broadsheet's Publications Director. Today we're talking about a retro cocktail which has made a bit of a revival in recent years, the Japanese Slipper, which was invented right here in Melbourne. And with me in the studio today, I've got Fred Siggins, who is a long-time drinks writer and former bartender. Welcome, Fred. Thank you. So tell us about the Japanese Slipper. What is it for the uninitiated? What's in it? So the Japanese Slipper is a very simple... Uh, equal parts drink where it's basically just one measure of maduri, everyone's favorite sort of lurid green uh, Japanese melon liqueur, uh, a measure of uh, Cointreau or other sort of orange liqueur or triple sec and a measure of freshly squeezed lemon juice shaken, served in a triangular martini glass, of course, for proper sort of retro style and garnished with a maraschino cherry. I'm pretty sure that Maduri was actually the first drink that I'd ever stole from my parents' liquor cabinet. Amazing. And I just have this awful memory of being like 13, 14. I don't think I, I wanted to try it for alcoholic purposes. It was just like it was bright green and I was like, oh, that looks interesting. And I had a little bit and just remember this horrible burning in my throat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You wrote an article about it for Punch, which is an American publication and kind of one of the most respected cocktail and drinks publications in the world. Mm-hmm. And you kind of outlined the, the history of this drink. Tell us about that. Well, I really wanted to write about the Japanese slipper as a proud Melbourne boy and as a proud Melbourne bartender because it's really the only well-known cocktail, classic cocktail, modern classic, however you want to describe it, that was actually invented right here in Melbourne. There's a lot of drinks that we've sort of adopted as city favorites, stuff like the Negroni and the Espresso Martini, which are kind of ubiquitous in Melbourne, but they weren't invented here. So yeah, I was doing some work for Punch at the time. I've been doing work for for Punch for quite a while. And so yeah, I reached out to the editors and said, hey, this is a drink that I want to write about because I don't think anyone's done it before. Nobody's actually sort of tracked down the origins of this cocktail and figured out why it became so popular in Australia and how it spread around the rest of the world. And I think the thing that prompted it was Punch had published an article titled The Unironic Return of Maduri. A few years ago, Maduri got a bit of a revival in that they reduced the sugar content to make it a little bit more of a balanced ingredient in cocktails and drinks and stuff that bartenders would actually want to use and not feel dirty about exactly and you know everyone's a little afraid of sugar these days so reducing sugar and things it's just sort of a a little bit more of a modern palette where i think you know in the 80s when maduri was first released and through the 90s people really did want their drinks to be quite sweet and sugary and that has sort of changed a little bit yeah, on the basis of that, I thought, okay, now's the time. Now's the time to to tell everyone in the world about the the, the great and proud history of the of the Japanese slipper. Yeah. So is Maduri Japanese? Yes. Yeah. Suntory Corporation. Maduri means green in Japanese. Right. Yes. I should know that. I studied Japanese at high school for <laughs> like eight years. <laughs> <laughs> Who did invent it? So it was invented in 1984 by a French expat bartender. Uh, who was working at Mietta's in Melbourne at the time, and his name is Jean-Paul Bourguignon. If you could get a more French name, I'd love to hear it. <laughs> and Mietta's, that was that uh, that restaurant on, was it Flinders Lane? It was a really, yeah. Yeah, really culty restaurant. Absolutely. It was, the, it was kind of the restaurant in Melbourne in the mid-'80s. And so then what did you find about kind of 
how it tracked and the popularity of it. And did you manage to track him down as well? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did. Um, I tracked him down thanks to the great Australian drinks writer, Max Allen, yep. who had actually contacted Jean-Paul Bourguignon for um, a book that he wrote a couple of years ago about sort of drinks in Australia and the history of drinks in Australia. And I spoke to him via landline at his at his uh, house in the Blue Mountains. He's He's up there without any cell reception. So I think the thing that was really fascinating for me, though, the thing that I was surprised by in terms of the origin of the drink, was that I had kind of assumed that it had come out of the nightclub scene. Yeah, it does have that vibe, doesn't it? It does. It that very much does. green kind of cosmopolitan or something where it's got that really like, yeah. Exactly. So I was surprised to find out that it actually came from the classiest restaurant in Melbourne, the classiest bar program in Melbourne. Um, at the time. At the time, yeah. And I mean, what was his story of coming up with it? You know, all these cocktails, they often have such good stories of like, you know, the bar had run out of X, so they used this instead and they really liked it or whoever they served the drink to liked it and then everyone asked for one. Was there anything like that going on? Um, I mean, I don't think that the story of its origin is that romantic. Basically, what uh, Mr. Bergion told me was that a Suntory rep came in with a bottle of Maduri. And said, here you go, can you do something with this? <laughs> but he wanted to put a little French twist on it being French, so he reached for Cointreau. And he said, you know, that was something that was really popular at the time. I think, yeah, Cointreau was sort of at its peak in popularity, probably in the mid-80s. And then he needed to balance it, so he used freshly squeezed lemon juice, which at the time was pretty advanced in, in terms of the way that people were making cocktails. Most people at the time were using sours mix, or at the very least kind of pre-juiced lemon and limes that had sort of got that weird kind of oxidative taste to them. God. So the fact that he was using freshly squeezed juice was was pretty advanced in terms of the the kind of cocktail technique that he was using. And it did balance out the drink and make it palatable with all that sweet stuff in there. And then how did it explode from there? That to me was like really one of the most interesting parts of the story is that after Jean-Paul Bourguignon left Mieta's, he was really known to be one of the most knowledgeable bartenders in Australia in terms of cocktails in particular. So he actually spent years as a consultant working for hotel groups and pub groups and casinos and Ansett Airlines, if you cast your mind back to that, that now defunct Aussie airline. He worked for them on their cocktail program. So he trained bartenders all over Australia and always managed to slip the Japanese slipper into the training program. So it spread around Australia just by him. He could have named it after himself. He could have spread his name out there, but he's... Uh, just he could. Kind of, yeah. He could. The, the The origin of the name of the drink is actually quite cute, more so than the, the recipe itself. I think the name is really cute, how he came up with that. He's basically told me that he was learning English at the time. He was still at that stage of learning English where he was trying to read novels in English to increase his vocabulary. And the novel that he was reading, I can't remember what, what book it was exactly, but it was about a, a Japanese woman and the book referred to her slippers. And the word slipper was something that he had never heard before. So it was a word that was floating around in his head as a new English vocabulary word. 
Um, and so then, it just sounded very exotic to him. It was like this yeah, and very kind of fanciful, poetic, you just like the sound of the word. He did, yeah. And it was a new word to him. And so that was exciting. And it was, you know, the product that he was basing the drink on was a new Japanese product. So yeah, the word slipper was just in his head associated with that. Yeah. It's a sexy name. I think, of, you know, Japanese, I think of like craftsmanship and kind of dedication and slipper, you know, I think of like something nice and cozy and exactly it's, a, it's got great associations when we make that drink today mm. with maduri having changed its recipe a little bit what are people doing now surely they're not making it exactly the same way it was made in the 80s look i'll be totally honest with the modern formula of maduri being a little bit less sweet than it used to be there's absolutely nothing wrong with the original formula it is definitely a little bit on the sweet side. But, you know, we've done this thing in, in bartending in Australia, I think, where we've had this overcorrection for sweet drinks because everyone wants to be taken seriously and nobody wants to be thought of the kind of bartender who's just making those sort of sweet lurid drinks from the 80s and 90s, which means that people are a little bit afraid of sugar, but it's actually a pretty balanced drink. You know, mm. if, if you want something that's a little bit on the sweet and fruity side, but it's not uh, a sugar bomb, you know, you're talking about a full measure of freshly squeezed lemon juice which is obviously quite sour quite acidic and it you know it serves to balance the drink pretty well yeah, some nice. people put a little bit less maduri or a little bit less cointreau one of the more common variations i've seen is people sort of reducing the maduri and the cointreau a bit and building it out with something like gin to make it a drier cocktail yeah uh, and that definitely works but yeah there's nothing wrong with the original formula and so we're seeing this pop up um, at quite a few menus around all around Australia, but in Melbourne, we've got them at Above Board and Bar Liberty, and then in Sydney at Auntie, Dulcie's, Huelo, Jackson on George, and Jangling Jacks. Do you have any kind of theories around why it's kind of made this comeback? Look, I think that during the pandemic, especially, there was this sort of need for comfort and silliness. And again, I think that there's been a bit of an overcorrection in bartending in Australia as well as globally to say that everything sort of has to be like austere and, and no garnish and very serious and sort of bitter and herbal flavors or, you know, quite acidic flavors and things like that. And now we're sort of seeing people come back around and go, you know what, cocktails are just supposed to be fun and delicious and we can take those fun, delicious, kind of silly, fruity formulas from the 80s and 90s, maybe we can update them a little bit, or maybe we can just make a really good version of it the way that they do it above board. You know, I don't think they mess with the formula too much. They just make a really good Japanese slipper. Um, so, yeah, people looking for that sense of um, fun and playfulness and silliness again. And I think that's a really positive trend because at the end of the day, that's what cocktails are for. Like I think of cocktails as being inherently frivolous and that to me is their beauty, you know, <laughs> the fact that they're not necessary, but that we spend all the time and energy to make them. Um, I, I like to think of them as sort of like a feather in the cap of, of, a, of a night out, you know? Yeah. It's interesting you mentioned about the bartending have that swing back towards fun and frivolity because mm -hmm. I actually don't think that's limited to bartending. I also think it's happening in music and fashion as well. You know, we went through this, 100%. this period where fashion was really minimalist and really kind of beige and monotone and now you've got you know people wearing bright green crocs with gibbets in them which is like you know fun and frivolous are kind of the words and trance music is kind of back in vogue again <laughs> after you know dying a pretty spectacular death in the 90s so yeah. i think it's kind of yeah it's happening everywhere and in food as well you know you see a lot of uh comfort food on menus these days and people using 
sort of floral patterned crockery that reminds them of their nan. And yeah, I think that everyone's kind of seeking a little bit of comfort these days. And again, I think that that's actually probably a pretty positive thing. So do you drink Japanese slippers? Every once in a while, uh, when, when, the, when, when the occasion calls for it. I think that's as good endorsement as any. Absolutely. Uh, you know, one of, the, one of the interesting things, though, is that we did see Maduri drop off the back bars of most quote-unquote serious cocktail venues in Australia, and it has sort of started to, to creep its way back. I feel like if you're going to put it there, you almost need the, that, you know, that when they have the light under it and it lights it up and oh, absolutely. like a lava lamp. <laughs> absolutely. Why wouldn't you? you yeah. A good mate of mine is a brand ambassador for uh, Beam Suntory, you know, the sort of parent company that, that owns Maduri as, as one of its brands. And they run a, a cocktail competition every year. And he was telling me last night that the amount of entries into that competition that included Maduri was just more than it's ever been. So it's obviously the type of thing that Australian bartenders are engaged in. And especially, I think, a younger generation of, of bartenders who maybe look at people closer to my age and closer to my sort of generation of bartenders and go, eh, you guys take yourselves too seriously. Yeah, we're going to have some fun with it, you know. That's it for today. If you're enjoying the podcast, tell your friends and family, leave us a review and keep listening. Subscribe or follow us wherever you're listening now to make sure that you don't miss an episode. Listener.